This is 105.9 The Region. There are so many ways of communicating these days, but nothing seems to beat the one-on-one. This is In Conversation with Ann Romer. Welcome to In Conversation. Thank you for being with us. The passing of Prince Philip on April the 9th has left many around the globe saddened, sympathetic, and in some cases speechless. The Duke of Edinburgh was just shy of his 100th birthday when he died. The patriarch of the royal family, whom some call the glue that kept the monarchy together in times of trouble, was a proud family man, father, grandfather, great-grandfather, a decorated naval officer hailed a hero during World War II, a philanthropist, the patron of hundreds of organizations, and the personable prince at tens of thousands of public events. But... As the longest-serving consort in British history, Philip will likely be remembered for his deep and unwavering devotion to the reigning monarch Elizabeth II, his wife of more than 73 years. Former Ontario Lieutenant Governor David Onley joins us now in conversation to remember Prince Philip, a man dedicated to queen and country. Thank you, David, for joining us. You're very welcome. What was your reaction when you heard of the passing of Prince Philip? I think like most people, um, it was a surprise in one sense, um, but not a shock um, because um, death always surprises uh, people unless there's a specific death watch. But for Prince Philip, his condition had been in such a decline over the last couple of months Uh, and the handful of pictures that were shown of him leaving the hospital in his most recent occasion uh, indicated that he had really taken a significant decline. And so I think it was in seeing those pictures that one realized that um, his time was quite short. Uh, And so when I got the call from various uh, media outlets uh, well, telling me about it. Actually, that's how I found out first and foremost. Um, I, I really wasn't surprised. Uh, saddened, but not surprised. Were you surprised, though, at the outpouring of affection for the late prince? You know, he was at times controversial, and I think Harry said it best recently, cheeky right till the end. <laughs> yes. Well, um, You know, I think as the weekend gathered momentum, uh, one realized this was not a 24-hour, a 48-hour, or even a 72-hour story. Unfortunately, that's the way we measure these things in terms of the media. Um, But it was a story that just continued uh, to have legs, as they say, um, as more and more people um, gave their personal reflections, and one realized that... uh, the impact that he had had was far, far beyond uh, just a lifting of the many charities that he supported and the many um, groups that he was patron of, um, that it extended far, far beyond that, that um, much of it was very, very personal. And, And so after the formal greetings and the formal comments were made by dignitaries and heads of state, um, you just had a continued uh, outpouring by people, not uh, primarily in Britain, but um, countless numbers uh, here in Canada as well. And I think it was the Canadian outpouring in one sense that gave me a bit of a surprise initially, but then in retrospect, uh, when one considers that um, you know his 
his organization that he began for uh, young people. Um, We've now had over 500,000 Canadians uh, go through it. Uh, And as a result, uh, you know, a significant portion um, of uh, of the Canadian youth population um, have been impacted by him. So a, a remarkable man. A royal biographer claims that Elizabeth was advised by several people not to marry Philip, quote, entirely the wrong person to choose because he was too funny and made gaffes. Now, Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth, on the other hand, has been quoted as saying, he has quite simply been my main strength and stay all these years, and I owe him a debt greater than he would ever claim or we shall ever know. It, it truly does. And for those that said it, it wasn't going to last, it wasn't going to work out, well, 73 years says otherwise. And uh, clearly it did. Um, he, uh, and I, I'm so glad that you quoted that entire quote um, of Her Majesty uh, about being her strength and stay, because uh, in the early uh, reports on uh, Friday and into Saturday, the shortened version of that was played, uh, and the longer version of what you just read um, really gave the Her Majesty's full expression of her, her feelings for him, um, what he had done for her, which was a life of sacrifice, quite frankly. He sacrificed his career. He sacrificed his family name. Uh, you know, the, the children are not named Mountbatten. Um, he, he sacrificed a great deal uh, to be uh, her top supporter, her closest supporter, her most important supporter. And as we have seen through the decades, uh, seven plus decades, he certainly was. He was, as you mentioned, the patron of hundreds of organizations. I understand 66 trips to Canada, 20 of them with the Queen, over 22,000 solo appearances. He really, quite frankly, worked hard. But this is what I like. Apparently, he said of himself once that he is the world's most experienced plaque unveiler. (laughs) He was also quoted, he had kind of an interesting sense of humor. Here's a quote from him, a little joke that he made in public, and so it would have been noted by many. When a man opens a car door for his wife, it's either a new car or a new wife. You know, that's I a, hadn't heard that that's one. That's a great. side of, of Prince <laughs> Philip. That, it's a truism. <laughs> who, who knew? And you have a story, and you were there to hear it and to, to witness it. When he came to visit, I believe it was uh, one of the visits in 2013, and yes. there was a, it had to do with a firearm. So can you elaborate? <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, Prince Philip in 2013, which was his last visit um, to Canada, and specifically Toronto, was to present the colors to the Royal Canadian Regiment, of which he was the patron. Not honorary patron, but patron. Uh, And the trooping of the colors is an important part of uh, military procedure. And um, the colors do get worn, they do get faded, sometimes damaged, and uh, he was there to present new colors, a new flag, uh, to his regiment. Um, and as part of the display at Queen's Park, uh, the Royal Canadian Regiment with their scarlet tunics, just stunning, were gathered on the front lawn of Queen's Park. It was April 27th, so um, just 
eight years and a couple of weeks uh, uh, away uh, behind. And um, he, uh, there was a great military display of weaponry. Um, there were cannons. There were, um, uh, you know, 50 caliber submachine guns. I mean, a, a, a real arsenal. And, and he took great interest in going around and, I, along with my wife, Ruth Ann, and my chief aide-de-camp, uh, Albert Wong, uh, we, along with uh, military officers, escorted him from station to station, and the soldiers would explain uh, to him exactly what the weapons did, what the capability was, what the caliber was, he, and he wanted to know all of the details. So it was not a quick trip, and we stopped at this one spot where there was, I believe it was a 50 caliber uh, machine gun. And um, it happened, just by coincidence, to be aimed directly at the media bay, uh, not 20 feet away. And um, he asked the soldiers, is this thing loaded? And they said, oh, no, sir. No, no, it's uh, just blanks. And looking ahead at the media bay, he said, well, that's a pity, isn't it? Oh. <laughs> it just broke everybody up. Now, there's a tremendous picture that has appeared, and it appeared in pictures, literally in newspapers around the world, of um, of him laughing and the soldiers laughing. We all laughed. Uh, in fact, I picked it as uh, one of the pictures to use in uh, the Lieutenant Governor's Christmas card that year for 2013. So it was just that, you know, that immediate wit. Um, that just uh, endeared him to people. I understand that young Elizabeth, Princess Elizabeth, met her future husband. She didn't know it at that point. Maybe she did when she was just 13 and he was 18. I wonder what mm-hmm. that was like. I know you dive deep into history, but imagine those days when there was, for her, far more freedom. She was young. She was a princess, but she didn't have the pressures of being the queen at that point. He was uh, training to be a naval officer. Those must have been just wonderful days for them as they moved toward their engagement and their subsequent marriage. What do you think? Well, well, um, there was, of course, a little thing called World War II that intervened. And um, but they wrote to each other uh, back in the day when people did write to each other. And uh, who knows what were said, uh, what was said in those ex- exchanges. But uh, um, clearly, uh, because things happened so quickly at the end of the war, uh, from in terms of the engagement uh, to the announcement of the, to the actual uh, marriage, um, things moved very, very quickly. She was a very young woman. Um, when they married. And uh, clearly it, it all began on that uh, fateful occasion when he was designated to be uh, the person to show uh, the young uh, princess and her sister Margaret around, um, uh, you know, for their, their royal visit to this particular location. Uh, and of course, as soon as the visit was over, uh, he was uh, off to the, uh, to the Navy and within... Within weeks, World War II began. So, um, you know, they must have wondered whether they would ever see each other again. When we come back, 1952, Elizabeth becomes queen and Philip becomes a full-time consort. In Conversation continues with former Lieutenant Governor David Onley. This is In Conversation with Ann Romer. 
Is there someone you want to learn more about? Drop us a line, info at 1059theregion.com. Ann Romer will be right back on 1059 The Region. Welcome back to In Conversation with Ann Romer on 1059 The Region. Welcome back to In Conversation. Former Lieutenant Governor David Onley is remembering Prince Philip. In 1952, February 6th, Elizabeth becomes queen and Prince Philip assumes the role of full-time consort. His life changes forever. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, not only as we see in the uh, vintage uh, film um, of the ceremony, but the, the words that he proclaimed to be her liege man for the rest of his life. Uh, and so he swore an oath. Uh, and if you would think about it, uh, you know, first of all, they were married where you would take a vow and then taking a second vow. Uh, and surely one of the very few people on the planet Earth in the 20th century that took not one but two separate vows to the same woman. Um, and, uh, you know, there began the 70, not the 73 year um, marriage, that the marriage had already been underway, but uh, his role. Um, as her consort, uh, and something that they did not believe. Neither of them believed that that was going to happen as quickly as they thought. When we see the pictures of King George VI um, bidding farewell uh, at the airport as Elizabeth and Philip head off um, on their uh, trip to um, South Africa, um, we look, look at him and think that he's in his 70s, but he was so sick. He, he died at the age of 56. Uh, the cancer was so extensive that it just had completely uh, diminished his uh, physicality. And, and so, even so, neither of them believed that the king was going to be gone so quickly. And that was the final time either of them saw him alive. And both of their lives became decidedly different, but for both of them, dedicated to, to service. Uh, and yeah. both of them just did that so well, and, and the Queen will continue for as long as, we hope, a very long time. So Prince Charles came pretty quickly after their marriage, six days before their first wedding anniversary, and then Anne and Andrew and Edward. Uh, so that was the beginning of the, the family and the, the creation of the next generation of the royals. How influential yeah. was Prince Philip in, in raising the children and setting values for them? I think far more so than most people uh, perhaps, perhaps give him credit for. Um, you know, there were you know, been narratives in the past, uh, none of which I particularly believed uh, about him being something of an off, uh, hands-off uh, father. Uh, but as one listens to the comments by Princess Anne, by Princess Charles, by Prince Andrew and Edward, um, they make it very, very clear that he was very hands-on. And I don't think this is just retrospect. This is just not uh, rewriting history. Um, you, you can see uh, the influence that he had on them. And what I've experienced firsthand is, uh, and at Queen's Park on most occasions, um, but is that uh, Prince Charles and Edwards, Edward have inherited their father's sense of humor. You know, we've talked about the, uh, some of the, the funny comedic lines that 
uh, Prince Philip came up with, well, on a couple of occasions um, at Queen's Park and at other visits with him in the greater Toronto area, um, Charles would say things to me that just broke me up. Uh, it, it just made me laugh. Um, when he came to visit along with Camilla, uh, the suite, we were organized in different, he wanted them to be organized in different groups. So we had a group of, of students. Um, and uh, frankly, I, I pulled rank and got my middle son, Robert, who was uh, then finishing law school at the University of Windsor, to be there with two of his um, fellow students. And my youngest son, Michael, who at that point was taking media and communications at Brock, and Prince uh, Charles came over, and I, was, I introduced them, uh, him to them, um, and they were to talk about what their school and their class year's project was to be, which was the Bill of Rights, the anniversary of the Charter of Freedoms. And so Charles spoke briefly with them, and then he looked at Michael, who physically was three years younger and at the time looked younger, and he said, now, are you a lawyer too? <laughs> and he's, and Michael said, oh, no, sir, I, I'm taking media and communications at Brock University. And Charles leaned forward and said, well, whatever you do, don't follow in your father's footsteps. Look what happened to him. <laughs> <laughs> the apple doesn't fall from the, far from the tree in either case, I must say. <laughs> yes. So, uh, and as- we just, you know, everyone just roared with laughter because, of course, uh, as you well know, we were both colleagues at City TV for over 20 years. And uh, so, you know, but what does that tell you? It told you that he knew a lot about me, more about me than perhaps I would have thought. And then uh, a year or so later, Edward was in town. And Edward, by the way, uh, who soon will become the Duke of Edinburgh, um, was handling the responsibilities of the Duke of Edinburgh Awards. And so I had the great privilege of being with him on a number of Duke of Ed uh, ceremonies, the group that I was referring to uh, earlier. Um, and what I learned from him is that in lieu of the, in, in reference to the story about the plaques that we were talking about a few minutes ago in terms of uh, uh, Prince Philip, oh, Prince Edward had, had his own uh, line, and I heard him give it at least four times over the years, and that is that we would be at a location and there would be the plaque that he was to unveil, and um, it would be covered with a drape, and um, he would stand nervously and apparently nervously in front of it, and of course he wasn't nervous in the slightest. Uh, uh, I mean, he is an actor. He's, he's trained and he's skilled. But he would say, oh, um, no one told me that I was going to have to do this, um, so um, I'm wondering if you might be able to help me, especially since we are only going to get one chance, uh, and since the media are here and their cameras are rolling, um, would you all just pretend, as soon as I pull off the uh, cloth, the cloak here, would you please just pretend that this is the most exciting thing <laughs> that you have ever experienced in your life? And he said, would you say it with great gusto? <laughs> and of course, everyone was laughing at that point. And then he'd say, well, can we just do a rehearsal? And he said, I won't pull it off, but can we just do a rehearsal? And he'd go, one, two, three. And then everyone would go, hey, and cheer. And, uh, <laughs> and he says, okay, now that's good. I'll, I'll do it. Do louder. <laughs> and then he'd do it. 
And you know what? Later that evening, on the news, there would be there would be the cloak coming off the plaque, and there would be the cheer from the crowd. And uh, I'm sure everyone at home must have been wondering what in heaven's name were these people really cheering about. But it just showed you, you know, those examples of two sons um, who just literally inherited their dad's sense of humor. And um, you, you just see it with Charles all the time and with Edward. And, you know, Prince Philip was charming as well. And I want you to tell the story mm-hmm. of the private side of Pearson Airport. You and Ruth Ann, your oh, wife, yes. uh, went out there to say farewell to Prince Philip on his last visit to Canada in 2013. What yeah. happened? Well, um, on at Pearson Airport, there is the public side where all the commercial airlines are located. Uh, and then there's the private side, uh, far over on the far side of the airport. And that's where business jets and dignitaries, uh, private jets, come in. Um, and we knew from the timing of things that he was to depart at a certain time. And I looked at my watch, and um, uh, we just, uh, I, I don't recall exactly where we were. We were doing a function. We were not scheduled to specifically be there for his departure. But I, I just said to Ruth, I said, well, this doesn't make any sense. We should just go there. Um, and so the OPP, of course, with our security, they called ahead, and that was, it was all clear. There, there was no problem. And so we went out, and there was a Canadian government uh, challenger jet uh, waiting for him, and then he was going to come, uh, you know, uh, from his last function in Canada, um, get to the plane, and then um, take off and fly back to Great Britain. And... Um, as he arrived, it just in a limo, uh, Ruth and I were there waiting. There, there was no band. There's no extra security detail other than my OPP security and the RCMP for, for him by the plane. But no red carpet, no band or anything untoward like that. <clears throat> and he saw us, and of course, we'd been at Queen's Park uh, earlier in the day. Hence the story about uh, the guns being aimed at the, uh, at the media. Um, and other stories, um, and then he, he just said, oh, um, he stepped forward and shook my hand. He said, you didn't have to do this. And I said, well, sir, um, as a matter of fact, um, uh, I do have to do it. It is my job. And he stopped just for a split second, and he said, yes, I guess it is. And he said, well, thank you anyway, <laughs> and shook Ruth's hand, and off he went got into the plane and uh, took off. And that was it. Were you the last Canadian to shake his hand on Canadian soil? I believe I was. I, I think that and sixty will get you a cup of coffee somewhere, but, uh, but still, um, yes, I believe I was. What do you think is next for Queen Elizabeth? I have heard, and I think the word is being generally, that um, she will begin to resume functions within a couple of weeks. Uh, I don't think anyone would begrudge her to take any amount of time that she feels is necessary, um, especially given the context of COVID. Um, the United Kingdom seems to be bouncing back in terms of health uh, far faster than Canada. Um, but uh, that doesn't mean that she should feel any obligation to uh, actively look for uh, events to pursue and events to attend. 
so uh, I think she will go when she feels ready. Will she miss her husband, her rock, her stay? Oh, you know, inevitably. Um, but, uh, you know, she does have the rest of the family. I think that's huge. Uh, not only Charles. And I think we may, we may see Charles play uh, a bigger role. We may see William play a bigger role. It's hard to say. Uh, when I say bigger role, I mean, perhaps... Um, you know, not quite in the position where his father was, of uh, to you know behind and to the right, um, but perhaps uh, in in other capacities, and and perhaps um, assuming some of the responsibilities for the next while. It, it's entirely her decision to make, and I don't believe anyone would begrudge her uh, any decision that she made in that regard. As former Lieutenant Governor of Ontario, how will you remember Prince Philip? With a sense of humor and a smile and a tremendous sense of duty. I, I just it summarizes the whole thing. You sound like you're getting emotional. Yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Having, uh, having had the opportunity to meet him in a, in a contest that I never, ever thought uh, would be possible, um, you know, as you've You've heard me say personally, and I've said this to many people over the years, no one ever wakes up one morning and just goes, you know, I think today might be uh, a good time to start pursuing the role of Lieutenant Governor. That never happened. It was just one of those things that uh, did unfold uh, in my life. Not something. It's not like something you pursue, like an academic degree. And so these are people that, you know, I've known through literally through my life. Excuse me, and and through seeing them as uh, individuals on TV and major historical figures, and then all of a sudden I'm in a position and uh, of responsibility, and they're involved in their side of that equation, and uh, it's uh, it's still you know it really is really is something of a head shaker. You it's it's still it's still taking me time processing that, even though we only knew each other. You know, I only knew him my responsibilities as Lieutenant Governor, and, uh, um, you know, I was just one of the many tens of thousands, uh, if not more, uh, of people that uh, he met and interacted with in a formal way, and no doubt, uh, you know, um, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people that he interacted with uh, in a personal context. I mean, when you figure that in my seven years, just in Ontario... I spoke to over a million five hundred thousand people. Uh, when you you think of that, and it's just a province the size of Ontario, and just over a period of seven years, um, how many people did he interact with? It would be in the tens of millions. So, hence, with his humor and sense of responsibility and sense of duty to Her Majesty, um, hence the outpouring from people. They. I, I think that's explained it. I want to thank you, David Onley, for helping us remember Prince Philip, and your stories are truly incredible and so memorable. And I appreciate how heartfelt you have been about this and, and letting your true feelings come through. Thank you, David Onley, for joining us in conversation. Thank you, Anna. It's been a privilege. Follow In Conversation with Ann Romer on Twitter at 1059 The Region. This is 1059 The Region.